welcome to the Mindful SLP, the podcast for SLPs looking for simple tools and optimal outcomes. Your host is Denise, experienced speech therapist specializing in all things pediatric, and Dan, business manager for her private clinic. Hi, thanks for coming back to our podcast. We appreciate you listening to us, and today we're going to talk about how we can add another tool to your toolbox. We are going to talk about supercharging your hello time in autism groups. So what do you mean by that? Well, whenever you're running any learning group, it's going to be better if you go over the schedule. This is what we're doing first. This is what we're doing second. If you were to sit in on a preschool group, you'd see the teacher with a job chart and who's going to do the weather and who's going to be the line leader and it's so-and-so's birthday and it's all visual so the kids can see it. Well, with an autism group, you want all of that and a little bit more. What would be a little bit more that you'd need for an autism group? Literally, you want to encourage time for saying hello. So you know the chit-chat that happens naturally when a group comes together before a class or an activity, and the teacher has to say, settle down, everyone, settle down. Um, Well, the ability to have a brief, natural conversation where you exchange just a little bit about yourself is really, really important. Mm. So you want to have a little bit of that before you get down to going over your schedule in an autism group but doesn't come naturally to kids with autism. Tell me about this a little bit more. Let's dig into the background. How did you develop this method? Well, I want to back up here and describe how I stumbled upon supercharging my hello times. Context is important because as someone had told me, previous to me discovering this activity, that there was a way to teach kids with autism to begin to have natural back and forth chit chat so organically, I would have been, huh? I wouldn't have believed it. I would have been so skeptical. Based on my past experiences, I think I might have rejected it. I would have concluded that such a natural conversation could only come at the end of very many years of therapy. Well, you say you stumbled on upon how to do hello time. How did that happen? It was pure serendipity. I was trying to solve a different problem and ended up not only solving that one, but also discovering a fantastic way to begin every autism group session. I sense a story coming on. Stories paint pictures, and I'm going to paint some interesting and I think very relatable pictures for you, because if you've had an autism group go awry, you're going to relate. Yeah. So what was the original problem that you were trying to solve? I was just trying to get the three kids in my autism group to all be attentive at the beginning of the session. I mean, that was it. We needed a semblance of order to go over the schedule or begin anything. And one child in particular that I'm going to call John was having a difficult time just sitting in his chair and he was acting silly. Then his behavior would get the other two going. Oh and boy. So all of these clients were well behaved and attentive when I saw them one on one. But together it was chaotic. I mean, it was hell on wheels. <laughs> that sounds like you really had your hands full. I wouldn't have wanted someone to walk in on me in those moments. So as a therapist, you want the time to be well spent. You want the clients to learn. You want parents to get their value. None of that was happening. As you can imagine, the beginning of the session sets the tone for the entire session. So it wasn't an optimal situation. No, that wouldn't be good at all. So what did you try? Well, first, I tried to convey the idea of sitting and being attentive by making three Play-Doh balls, one to represent each child and putting them in the center of the group. Mm-hmm. And I explained that our bodies needed to be in a group like the Play-Doh balls. And I showed how one ball rolled out and was away from the group when a body left the group. I mean, that's an idea I had heard before. And while it's a good idea, it wasn't the solution for this group. So how did that work? The Play-Doh balls seemed to ramp up John's silliness even more, and there were Play-Doh balls going everywhere along with bodies. (laughs) So 
<laughs> oh boy. So they weren't ready to come into the group just because the Play-Doh balls were in a group. No, no, that did not translate. <laughs> Where did you go from there? I do hope this has a positive ending. Well, the key lay, as it so often does, in stepping back and observing John. Ah, observation. I can see that's another story coming on. <laughs> Tell me, what did you observe? Well, John usually arrived a few minutes before the other two clients, and he always asked me the same two questions while he was still in the waiting room. Because he came on another day for individual therapy, he would ask me what day it was. See, he couldn't remember if it was a group day or individual therapy day. He couldn't remember the name of the day of the week, even. Oh. Um, and when he knew it was our group day, he would ask me who else was coming. He asked me this week after week, in spite of the fact that my answers were always the same. How did this help you? They taught me something about John and also about many other autistic clients. I learned that he had a limited memory for when things happen, who they happen with, and even for what things happen in his own life. But did the other children in this group have this problem? I mean, John was the one who was misbehaving. That's a great question. After I observed him, I was able to observe that to some extent... They all had issues with observing and remembering past experiences or just being able to put them into words. John's personality was such that he became more dysregulated by the experience. The excitement of being with kids his own age, but not having the tools to even remember their names and use them, or let alone hold a conversation with them, it overwhelmed him. He wasn't even sure he would be seeing the other kids that day when he came to therapy because he had to ask me. So there was no, no opportunity to prepare you know, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. Like this last weekend, we went to see my family, and I'm thinking, I need to ask my stepfather. He's having health problems. You know, I care about him. I'm thinking about him. I need to ask him about that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask how that kid in college is doing. I'm going to ask how this kid is doing. I kind of go without my mind. Otherwise, I just, I don't oh, yeah. remember, and I seem oblivious. I seem inconsiderate. So think about John, who doesn't even know who he's going to see that day. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have that social acuity to even understand that. The memory, it was really, really important. But to go on, that kind of overwhelm causes some people to shut down, but it fires other people up. So uh -huh. John was a very social kid, and he was fired up with no direction to go. Mm. Thus this behavior. Now, by the way, it's a misconception that kids with autism spectrum disorder or antisocial, some have an intense desire to be social, and it can come across kind of weird uh, when they try to socialize. So it looks like you're seeing this problem in a whole new light. Exactly. It's that moment when you have a paradigm shift. I realized all the kids in the group needed to build their memory skills. Uh, it gets a little weird if you ask the same person their name every time you meet them. Oh, yeah, I have so. that problem. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get beyond that, then the person with... Autism will usually go one of two ways. So they will ask you the same question about you every time they see you. They know they're supposed to be interested in you, but they don't remember much about you. They've got their stock question. Or they will tell you about what they are interested in in great detail. On and on and on. They're mm -hmm. labeled they're, the bore. Right. What they're Hiding labeled. behind that so they don't have to try and show that they don't remember. And now we usually think the latter happens because the person doesn't realize that you aren't as interested as they are in the topic. And that could be true. Mm -hmm. But what if they can't even remember one thing about you to engage you in conversation about you? Mm. So either way is a conversational dead end. And one must become before the other. I mean, the memory has to come first. And then you could work on notice this person isn't as interested as you are. Uh, well, what about the problem of getting them just to attend at the beginning of the session? Where does that fit in into your realization about memory? 
I began to see how I could address both problems at once. Isn't that fantastic when you come across something like that? Yes. (laughs) I am so excited to share this with our listeners. This one thing has made more difference with my autism groups than any other activity I have done. I mean, I'm very strong when I say that. It just has. Mm -hmm. Supercharging your hello time addresses behavior, attention, tactile and visual sensory needs, and memory, and it is so simple to do. Wow, this sounds amazing. All right, tell us more. How do you do it? When the children come into the therapy room, I give them a large sticky note and a pencil. I ask them to draw something they did that day or that week. Uh, I provide pencil grips to clients who need them. Okay. Well, how do you use the pictures? When everyone is finished drawing, they take turns holding up their little sticky note and talking about their experience. So this builds memory for their own experiences, which can be very poor. They also learn how to talk about their experiences, how to find the right words, how to formulate their sentences if that's an issue for them. Okay, so you're really getting them to nail down first their own memories. Mm-hmm. And by using it with the tactile experience of actually drawing those down and getting that different experience then. So do you run into obstacles? I would be in trouble because I'm not the greatest artist. <laughs> well, we only do stick figures here. Well, some, some budding artists go farther. But that is a great question. Nothing this good is going to be without obstacles. Right. So far, I've had clients who could barely hold a pencil, and a pencil grip helps. But initially, a little help guiding their hand, that might be mm-hmm. called for. If they can draw a line, it can represent something. I mean, I have a client who started, and his representation of a face was a line that was a smile, barely curved like a smile, and two dots for eyes. That mm-hmm. was it. That was as much as he could do. He's way past that now. Okay, so you know, at least they get a place to start. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the whole thing is encouraging them to use that and just build from wherever they are to mm-hmm. build to something more. Because that means something. That line means something to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually, usually they'll tell me. If they're having this much trouble, usually they'll say something to me like, you know, I don't know what to draw, and we'll brainstorm a little bit, and they'll say, oh, I could draw this. And I say, well, if you kicked a ball at recess, could you draw a ball? You know, okay. it's some place yeah, to start. That's just, it's a cue to start their memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing, some clients may want to draw the same thing every week, and mm-hmm. it's often a TV show they like. I only let that go on for a couple of weeks, then I ask them to draw something different. It's great at first if they just draw anything, but mm-hmm. they need to stretch themselves and not fall back on the familiar. And I especially, especially encourage them to think of something they did other than something they watched. One is active and the other is passive. And if you've ever been with that kid who's um, not quite skilled socially and they just go on and on and on about their TV show. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. Especially if you've already seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, something active that they did is what I really, really encourage. Um, Yes. Well, it's getting back to their life and their actual memories, not just something else that just happened because that's totally outside of them. But you want them to start being able to vocalize and verbalize you know their actions experiences where they were the actor and they had an effect on something Mm -hmm. and sometimes you need to brainstorm a little bit with someone who is new to the activity about something they did all like what did you have for lunch Um, that's Uh a good way to start I mean that's where I've started with some clients one other obstacle could be the child who takes a long time to talk about their picture Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to self-edit so this is what your own verbal model that shows how to condense an experience in a couple sentences is really valuable you need to be direct with these clients about using less words so everyone has time to talk. They don't know they're being the conversation hog. They're going to be socially punished unless you can show them, you know, how. That's one thing I've learned. You need to be direct. 
I model using way too many words. I'll even cut up little strips of paper and say, these, these are my words. Mm-hmm. And I'll demonstrate saying a whole bunch of words really fast at once. And I'll throw the papers up in the air, just like mess confusion. What happened to my words? Look, they're all over the place. And then I'll demonstrate um, holding up my picture and just saying one or two sentences to oh, show. Oh, it's an editing. I yeah, see, you're, yeah. You're, you're editing yourself. This hello time is just to learn how to have that short little chit-chat of conversation. Because I can see that. Some people just, just spew, but mm-hmm. they need to learn that sometimes it's better just to have a couple sentences and move on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay, so... So far, the kids have come in, sat down. You've given a post-it note and a pencil. Mm-hmm. And they have gone about drawing one of their memories of one, something they did this week. Is this a problem when some finish their drawing before others? Time has been one of the most manageable factors in this activity. It really surprised me. I encourage the budding Rembrandts to make a quick sketch because we want to have time to hear you talk. Ah. Uh, and then I can quietly rehearse with the clients who finish earlier what they're going to say, how they're going to say it. Oh, it gives you time to actually work with the ones who finish early. It really works out very well. Is it always the same person who finishes early? Um, or does it depend on the week and on their memory? No, usually I have my Rembrandts and mm-hmm. my I'm just learning how to draw kiddos. So some of them start to change into liking to draw more and drawing more detailed and shift over the line, but they usually don't go back and forth. Well, you said that drawing their experiences builds their memories for themselves. How does this help them remember details about others? Okay, this is so great. I love, this is a brainwave. Um, I have a plastic brain. You can get them on Amazon. It's a mold. We could Oh, for like Jello. Like yeah. Making a Jello. Oh, that's no, not just for Halloween anymore. <laughs> yes, it's not just for Halloween anymore. So at the end of the hello time, I gather up their sticky notes and I put them in the brain and I say, we put our memories in our brain. Our brain holds our memories. These are our friend memories. I'm going to ask you about them at the end. I'm going to ask you if you remember what your friends did. Wow. And sometimes I'll even review the memories as I'm putting them in the brain. John went to his cousin's. Miranda got ice cream. That's... And my own. I put my own. I always model. Always, always Uh model. Then I set the brain aside and we do the rest of our activities, the rest of the schedule that we talk about. Uh Um, And then how do you bring these back later? Well, I think snack time is a great time. If you have time to incorporate snack time into your autism group, it's wonderful. Um, Eating time is social time anyway, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Although we're working on conversation all the time, this is a little bit less structured, so right. while they're having snack time, I'll bring out the brain, hold up a picture. Does anyone remember what Miranda said she did? Who remembers uh, what John said he did? That's how I bring it back in for them remembering about other people. A really cool thing that happened is one of my kids who was kind of new to this and really struggling to remember anything other people said. Uh-huh. We were having apples for snack time. One of the other kids said that he only liked crunchy apples. Mm-hmm. And he looks up all of a sudden, and he's like, he likes crunchy apples. I mean, he heard what someone else said in the conversation, picked up on it, repeated it back. I mean, that may sound like a little thing to you, but that's actually huge. Right. It was, yeah, it's I mean, a stepping stone. It's what these kids don't do. They don't, they're not attuned to what other people are saying or remembering. It just kind of goes in one ear and out the other and he caught it Uh and after that he started remembering 
the friend memories. Now, it's not consistent. I mean, they don't remember yeah. one week and then remember the next week, remember the next week consistently. They might remember one week, forget one week. But over time, they do become really solid and they will remember every single week uh-huh. what the other kids shared. Well, give me some ideas on how you've extended these skills they're learning into other areas. Okay. You can have them draw each other's memories when they are good enough at this and they don't necessarily need to have something in their hands. They can describe to their friends. So their friend is standing at the whiteboard. Say John is sitting down here and he tells Miranda, this is what I did. And she draws it for him. Okay. So they're going from being able to, I mean, before they even couldn't verbalize their own actions and their own memories. Mm -hmm. But once they get used to that, then the next step is to verbalize it and then have someone else draw it. Yeah. So the other person is taking on the perspective of their friend when they're drawing their memory, right? So perspective taking is a huge issue for autism. Right. They're kind of taking down the perspective because they're drawing it for them. And it, it really improves. I mean, there's a lot of skills going on in that. Oh, from yeah. From listening to interpreting, and then, then they got to draw it. Wow, that's... I know. And to think that you could get there, I have got there in less than a year. Wow. With some of my autism kids. But I have a super funny story here. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is so funny. I had two kids. I had John and I had Enoch. John was kind of new at drawing, kind of hesitant about it, but he was getting into it. Enoch was the Rembrandt, uh-huh. right? Everything so he was drew, perfect. Everything. Perspectives. <laughs> yeah, drew very carefully. Um, so they were drawing. John was drawing Enoch's memory for him. And he happened to give him three hands, or what looked like three hands, because he was a little bit new uh-huh. at this drawing. <laughs> well, Enoch is across the table from him, and he looks over, and he's like, he gave me three hands! He gave me three hands! He's having a little meltdown. He's he gave me three hands! He could not get over it. <laughs> oh, oh that was that was so funny. <laughs> so. And it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. At least he, at least he's drawing body parts. <laughs> so, anyway, another thing is you can begin to segue into future plans, and I'll model this. Like tonight, I'm going to the movie. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I'm going to get ice cream, and I'll draw a picture oh. of what I expect to happen. happen. So that's building a future memory, memory for expectation, because that's also a problem. Uh-huh. They can't anticipate what is going to happen. You can start to build that in. And then journaling, this really is pre-journaling, right? Right. So it's true. It's just, a, it's just a visual journal. Yeah, it's a visual journal, and you're verbalizing it. And I've uh, moved kids from that into giving them a uh, piece of paper where the top half is empty, the bottom half has lines. They draw the picture at the top and they write, or sometimes mm-hmm. I write for them, their memory and bam, they have a journal page. They can take it home. They can build a journal book. They can start to build memories for more than just the past week if you've got a date on it. Well, this sounds like something that their families can do as well, that you, know, you can extend this out beyond the group and into the family. Absolutely. Everyone wants a chance to talk about themselves. You yeah. remember our kids growing up. Sometimes it's a bit of a competitive. Oh, so yeah. conversation, there's actually been studies done. Conversation is a competition. Right. And I remember because we had one child who was extremely expressive and vocal and he would dominate the conversation and our quiet one would never get to say anything. And and, and I always felt bad because I felt like I was suppressing the child who mm-hmm. was verbally explosive. Mm-hmm. Just to hear from the other child and get them included, and that the verbal child was feeling resentful. You can feel bad about the family dynamics, right? Um, uh-huh. These can be tricky things to 
figure out how to work with, but this is a great way to work with it because everyone gets their chance. You can be working on your picture, thinking about planning about what you're going to talk about. Um, and by the way, I don't have them continue drawing when other people are talking. Right. No, because you're paying attention now to this other person. Mm-hmm. But families know the context of what the child is talking about. They can really help with the memory building. They can help with everyone getting their turn. You know, the next time I have an autism group, I'm going to direct the parents to this podcast. Ah, yeah. Because <laughs> I want them to do it. Um, sometimes it's hard to take this much time to explain to parents. Sure. You could do this. But here, now it's in a podcast. Oh, so. I could see all <laughs> sorts of things that you could do with as a family mm-hmm. to, to bring this in to help with all sorts of dynamics in the family. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's uh, Autism not required right. for this activity. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is, the, the, yeah, this could really be used in a lot of different places. Well, this also makes it easy to measure, right? Yes. Social skills can be this amorphous goal. Mm-hmm. That you're like, how do I even write something to measure this? Well, you could measure whether they can independently share their own memory this number of times. Mm-hmm. Whether they can independently remember a friend memory with visual cues. That means with the sticky note or without visual cues. Because eventually I don't show them the sticky note. And right. ask them to remember uh, lots and lots of different goals. And I will include some of those in the show notes. I've already got lots written because I've been doing this for a while. Have you seen an effect beyond the group session that this has had? Yes, I've been able to see one, and I believe it has extended more than what I've seen. But the one example, um, so I had two kids who liked the same cartoon show. In fact, they liked the same little song that went with the cartoon show, and they would sing it together. So one time, just at the beginning of the session, one of the kids came into the waiting room with his lunchbox, which had the cartoon character on, and he said, I brought this because I want to show it to John. Ah. And he didn't say, because we both like this cartoon, you know, but it was obvious. So he remembered, outside of therapy, what this other child liked, you know, put it together, this is what he liked, that they shared something, uh-huh. something they could talk about as a shared experience. I mean, that's what you're trying to get. Exactly. With a social goal, a shared experience that both people can talk about. That's really good. So what do I need? Okay, <laughs> so simple. You need sticky notes. Pencils, maybe pencil grips, the best ones that I have found, I'll link to in the show notes, Mm -hmm. and something to represent a brain. It can be a bowl, even with a picture of a brain on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how do I do it again? Refresh my memory. Let's let's round this up here. (laughs) So occupy them as soon as they come in. If they don't all come into your therapy room at the same time, this is great. Sometimes some kids are a few minutes late. Sure. But you need to start on time, right? So... This is a great time management tool that way. Occupy them as soon as they come in with the sticky note and the pencil. Gently encourage the detail drawers to do a quick sketch. Mm -hmm. Give help when needed for beginning drawers. Don't overhelp, though, because I have seen them really start to take off on their own and fly if you hold back a little bit. Try to only give them just as much help as they need. Um, Mm -hmm. Model by drawing your own memory and sharing it. Okay. So you do the share. You review it, put the sticky notes in the brain, then do your other things, come back, and do the friend memory at the end of the session. I mean... That sounds really simple. It is simple, and it works so well. And And then elaborate it, elaborate as you can, you know, like the elaborations I talked about. You can build those when you see that the group is ready. What do we want people to try? Try it. If you have a group, try it. Um, And come and tell me about your experiences at slpproadvisor.com. 
What is so fantastic about this approach is I don't have to teach them how to converse. That amorphous kind of out there skill, how mm -hmm. do you teach conversation? They're learning it as they remember memories about each other. And as we model talking about each other, I've seen the conversation happen where before I tried to teach conversation in a more direct way and it was just really hard going. Right. I mean, it's a tough skill to, to teach directly, but I think you're right. This, this kind of approaches it from a sideways angle by getting them to just talk about things that's familiar to them and then eventually just builds right in naturally. And, and that's what you really want to do. I mean, it's how the rest of us all learn how to do it too. It's just giving them a, a pathway mm -hmm. that is very easy, very familiar, and is manageable and can be a lot of fun in the meantime. Yeah, and I've seen them start to talk at snack time and and during other parts of the session too i see them start i mean it's very gradual but it's a beginning it's a beginning that i never thought i could see so soon mm -hmm. so the sooner you do this the more time they have to practice these conversation skills which by the way are so so needed when they reach adolescence this conversation becomes such a subtle skill when you're an adolescent <laughs> building it as soon as you can is super, super helpful for these autistic clients. There you have it. There's another tool for your toolbox. Dive in with these autistic groups and uh, try this. Let us know what you think. SLPProAdvisor.com is where the conversation is happening. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Mindful SLP. We hope you found some simple tools that will have optimal outcomes in your practice. This podcast is sponsored by SLP Pro Advisor. Visit slpproadvisor.com for more tools, including Impossible R Made Possible, Denise's highly effective course for treating those troublesome R's. A link is in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and tell your fellow SLPs. And please, let us know what you think. Join the conversation at slpproadvisor.com.